안녕하세요. Welcome to Afternoon Asks, where two Asian K-drama fans, Sarah and Grace, ask and hopefully answer all of our drama-related questions. We also share Korean and Chinese language tips, as well as our experiences as diaspora Asians living in the UK and US. Join us as we delve into the details and context of the dramas we all love. Hi, everyone. We're so excited this episode to welcome a very special guest to Afternoon Asks, one of my Korean teachers, Yu Jung Sam. Sam is short for Hansengnim or teacher in Korean, which our listeners might know from watching dramas like Crash Course in Romance. She's here with us today to talk about the South Korean education system. 안녕하세요. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try one phrase I learned I learned 반갑습니다 네 저도 반갑습니다 <laughs> and the rest is gonna be in English <laughs> um 환영합니다 is that uh welcome 환영합니다 because I remember oh, saying 맞아요. that in church okay, yes, okay. 환영합니다 감사합니다 <laughs> like thank you for inviting <laughs> thank you for coming yeah thank you so much for coming We've been wanting to do an episode about the South Korean education system pretty much from the start when Grace and I first started talking about this podcast and the types of topics we wanted to cover. Um, Probably because the South Korean education system comes up, obviously, as the background to a lot of dramas um, or they're set in the school system. So, for example, Reply 1988, Extraordinary You, Airs, Boys Over Flowers, All of Us Are Dead. So I think many of us K-drama fans feel very familiar with the superficial aspects of the education system, um, like the schoolroom setting and the uniforms. Um, But we're also seeing obviously lots of um, more serious issues like bullying, the intense pressure to earn top scores, um, the academy system, exams. Um, And it's hard sometimes to know how much of what we see on our screens is a reflection of reality and how much is it exaggeration to make dramas more exciting or more compelling so um we have a lot of questions and i have a feeling that this podcast might be one of our longer ones so uh strap in but i hope you guys will all find it uh super interesting yes um but first we're going to do a bit more of an introduction i met uh yu jung sam on italki which is an, a language learning and exchange app and part of the reason i first booked with her is because she is an actual credential teacher who studied elementary education and i was partly like i, I went on there partly looking to like kind of interview potential teachers uh to eventually have my kids learn from Um, and then I also, <laughs> she, she corrected me yesterday, but I was also confused when I saw the na- name of the university she attended, because um, she attended the Seoul National University of Education, and I thought it was affiliated with, you know, that other Seoul National University, and I, you know, the, the tiger mom in me was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 um, So, but then um, also I was really intrigued that her profile says she lives in Morocco. So I wanted to meet her for for that reason too. But in any event, I'm really happy I found her because I just really enjoyed talking to and learning from her. Um, We talk about all kinds of things like current events, parenting, dramas, and 
just life and it's a lot of fun and I definitely recommend her to other Korean learners and we'll put her italki profile in the show notes. That's so cool. I love that you live in Morocco. <laughs> Didn't know, uh, 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 yeah, I've been to uh, Marrakesh and Casablanca <laughs> and Agadir, yeah. So, because uh, it's quite close from uh, the UK, it's only like a three hour flight, right? So, but it's um, uh, fun to go on holiday because it's so different. So, you only fly for three hours and then it's a completely different culture. So, yeah, it's it's fun. Where do you live in Morocco? I live in Meknes. Ah, yeah, it's not that touristic city Mm. because usually travelers come to Marrakesh first, Casablanca, and then they go to Rabat or Fes, and they don't come to Magnus that much. (laughs) (laughs) So here's not that touristic uh, city. Uh, Right. So (laughs) talking about dramas, though, I've I've heard from Grace that um, that you do sometimes watch K dramas. So um, I know you said that you you don't watch a lot of K dramas, but um, we usually ask our guests to share five dramas to get to know you. Um, Yeah, so they don't have to be your favorite dramas of all time, but maybe ones that were meaningful to you so we can get a sense of um, your drama taste and what you enjoy. So um, do you have five that you wanted to share with us? Yes, it was pretty easy for me because I did watch a lot of dramas. So (laughs) it was pretty uh, easy to choose. The first one I chose was Sky Castle because... I could relate to the students inside the drama. I, like I was like one of them. So oh, it was yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was the my first uh, first rank drama. Ah. And the mm-hmm. second one is the Little Woman. Ah, yeah, I like mm-hmm. Little Women. Yeah. Did you also watch the yeah, Little Woman? Yeah, I think Grace Grace you've watched as well, right? No, I didn't. Oh, you watched I, I never got uh-huh. around to it. I kept putting it off like, oh, I know I'm going to watch this. But then like other things came up. <laughs> ah, no, that was good. I found that fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Crazy, but fun. Yes. A little woman. <laughs> I liked the plot and I couldn't predict the next scene. And it was very, um, also there's suspense. So I liked it. And also third one, Reborn Rich. There's a Song Joong-gi actor. He's my favorite. Mm. Oh, he's your favorite. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the story was good. The acting in the drama was incredible. Each actor's acting. And Kingdom, the zombie one in the Netflix. Yeah. I liked it because the combination of Korean history and zombies, it was very mm. interesting. They never made th- those kind of drama before. Mm. And the last one, I picked the Itaewon class because... It gave uh, hope to audience uh, watchers by rats to riches story. Mm. Ah, yeah. yeah. I hadn't mm. thought about it. I mean, I've watched it in class and I liked it, but I hadn't really thought about it as like, um, yeah, giving people hope about kind of being starting from from nowhere. Uh, and yeah, yeah. The, the male actor, he didn't have anything. He started from the little bar and then he made some brand and company like that. And I liked that story. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it had a, a, a kind of diverse cast also um, with the black Korean mm. uh, guy and the and the trans. Tra- the trans. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. Diversity. And yeah. and so it was like hope for kind of the underdogs. Yes. Yes, right. Society, mm. I feel like. Yeah. 
Great. Thank you for sharing. Um, so it occurred to me that, you know, I, I only know you as Yujong Sim because um, we speak in Korean. Uh, but do you, do you have an English name you sometimes go by? Or do you um, always use Yujong? Uh, yes. Like, to be honest, I have an Arabic name, but <laughs> Arabic oh. name is like Yasmin. Maybe you have heard about oh, it. Oh, yes. Oh. Is your Arab oh, yeah, is your Arabic the, the Jasmine flower. Yes. Ah. Yes. I don't. I don't say that I have a specific English name. So I ah. think you guys just can call me Yujang. Okay. Oh, great. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and and is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself that I didn't cover in my introduction? Ah. Okay. So like previously about the university, like to be honest, a lot of students like they book me and they ask me. So you're really from SNU? That's incredible. Like my. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, it is good. Yes. SNU, yeah, of course. SNU is very good. And SNUE, which is my university, is also good. And it's kind mm -hmm. of affiliated because back then, 1980, they were one, but ah, they were yes. I see, I see. Because of some, like, importance of education reason. So they made it a little bit more um, professional university. That's why mm -hmm. we were detached from the SNU. Ah. And like personally, based on my experience, SNU student and SNUE student, they're both so smart, but I wasn't that much. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging at the back of the university, but <laughs> the rest of, the, rest of the, the friends and students, they were incredible. I'm, I'm sure you were incredible also <laughs> I think so too yeah uh, yeah you already speak so many languages like I just think someone who can speak so many languages um is already um, yeah so but a little smart. bit but everything broken not like a hundred percent perfect <laughs> yeah but I mean even that is you know so amazing we're always learning even our own language yes. we're always learning yeah yeah exactly that's Never true ends. so um I thought it would be good if we start with some of the basics about the education system. Um, so how is primary and secondary education organized in South Korea? What age do children enter school and until what age is it compulsory to be in school for? Yes. So kids, kids attend preschool from age to seven. It depends on what preschool you go. Some preschool is from one to four and some is one to seven. And also after preschool, people like the, the kids attend kindergarten from age five to seven and elementary school from eight to 13, middle school 14 to 16, high school 17 to 19 and college or university or work. Mm. Okay. Uh, but also kids can start their elementary school from six to eight by the law. And I kind mm. of searched about it because I don't remember when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> the law says all students must enter elementary school on March 1st of the year after the year in which the child becomes six or five or seven. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, right. Then Interesting. Wait, so, so the preschool and kindergarten parts are not compulsory. Those are optional. It's optional. Okay. And then elementary mm -hmm. school starting at yes. five or six or seven, that's uh -huh. when you have to go to school. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. Okay. Hmm. However, the child, uh, it's about the, yes, 
Uh, kids should attend elementary school for six years and middle school for three years. But some kids, they do homeschooling like American uh, kids do. Yeah. But yeah, in that case, they should take a qualification exam and they have to pass it to prove that they learned well by themselves. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so I've been reading that uh, South Korea is adopting international age or they adopted international age last year. Um, so does this change when children enter and complete school? I mean, it sounds like it's just the year after they turn six, which I think is common. Um, so um, ha that hasn't changed, has it? So has that changed anything about the school system? And it's my understanding that 20 is the age that South Koreans become adults. Is that still right? Yes. Um, even though the president changed the official age, the age that kids go to elementary school are are same. But when I talk to my friends who live in Korea still, uh, they still use the, the Korean age, not the international age. Because uh. if they change the, to the international age, all the relationship between each other change. Yes. So that's quite a problem. So suddenly uh, I, I was calling you a knee, but suddenly uh, I have to call you, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a little awkward to each other. Feels, feels weird, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're still using the Korean age, not officially. And the last one, the adult, yes, the Korean becoming, they become adults when they're 20. Right. Mm. Okay. okay. All right, cool. Um, and just to clear up my own confusion, um, because when I watch Reply 1988, have you seen that one? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, uh, so uh, it seemed like the school year started in the winter. And so I was very confused um, because for, for me growing up in the States, school starts in the fall. And then we usually have a, like a two week winter break for the year end and New Year holidays. And then like then the next semester starts and then we have one week of spring break and a three month long summer break, which is really long. And in Northern California, um, there's a, a second week long break in like February, a second like winter break in February, uh, apparently so that people can go skiing, <laughs> which I didn't have in, in growing up in uh, Southern California. So I, I'm just wondering how is like the school year like kind of organized? Yeah, so the semester, the start of the semester is different. the The Western culture they start in winter, right? But Korean they start in spring, which is March, usually March first. Oh. That is the first semester, and then second semester is the start of the August, no, no mid August, uh -huh. or the start of the the September. Mm -hmm. okay. And I searched the reason why. And they say the accounting of the school starts March, the, at the beginning uh, of the year. That's why they make it all identical. Also start uh, off. So it's driven by accountants, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For efficiency, I think. For efficiency, I yeah. See. Well, in Japan, the, I think the school year starts in April. So it's kind of similar, I think. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And also the... Uh, summer break, summer break, like 20 to 35 days on August and winter break is 30 to 60 days on January. And there's also spring break and fall break. But I think those are pretty different from school to school. 
Ah. Oh, so, I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking at your notes. Fall break and spring break seem to be kind of organized around holidays. Yes, right. Yeah. Because it's easy. When we rest, we can rest a little like more, you know, all together. I see. Okay. Yes. And I searched about the school days and vacation days. But Western vacation holidays are more than Korean school vacation. Mm. Ah. Yes. It, it means like、uh, Korean, Korea, we have to go to school more. In Korea, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what、vacation. it seems like. Yes, yeah. And and they say they try to increase the vacation for the kids, but it end up that they are just studying. They go to Hagwon Institute or Academy,、oh. even though there is more holiday. So they just didn't increase no more, and they make it as it is used to be. Ah,、oh. vacation. I see. <sighs> So, so the kids no weren't getting, a, yeah, they weren't getting <laughs>、yeah. a break anyway. They were just still、yeah. using it to study. Yeah,、uh, there was、okay. no point. Yes, right. And and how long are the school weeks and school days like in terms of hours? Because I seem to remember、um, there was some school on Saturdays, it, at least in the mid nineties, when I used to visit during the summers.、Um, Was that true when you were growing up too? Or,、um, like, how does that work? Like, Saturdays and night school? Because that also is, is depicted in some dramas where kids are there on the weekends or at night. When I was young, I used to go six days in a week, but suddenly the law changed and、ah. five days got, became a pr- the principal of the school.、Okay. Yes. And I think it was changing、uh, many times. So, not only、mm. me, but my brother or my mom and dad, it used to be six days or five days. It was changing a little bit, but now it's stabilized as five, five. days in a week.、Mm. Okay. And like the first grade, second grade, third grade of the elementary school, usually they start like from 8 40 or 9 to they finish at 12 in the noon, around noontime. But when、mm. it goes to fourth, fifth, sixth grade, they finish school around three or four. Okay.、Mm. Yeah. Okay. And also, when it comes to the night, yes, yes. So this one is also it's not mandatory. It's just、mm. also depending what school you're going to. If you、mm. chose to go to private school, private high school, especially, they are likely to make you remain until. Nighttime to study for CSAT. Ah,、uh, yes. Yeah. Which is、But、the is, college scholastic ability test. Yeah, like Korean、uh, SAT. Yes. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. Which、But、is the university it, entrance exam. Yes, right. Got it.、Yes. Yeah. And then,、um, but if you,、uh, If you talk to, like,、uh, if you don't want, if you don't want to stay in school in night or until the night or evening, you can talk to teacher and you don't have to stay.、Mm. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, but you have、I'm、to t- convince the teacher very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very well.、Um, so then outside of school, is it quite common for people then to do、um, extra? Private classes like、uh, like these academies.、Um, so I remember, again, it's another drama, but Extraordinary <laughs> Attorney Wu.、Um, did you watch、oh, this drama? Yes. yes、so、there's I, one, I like it. One,、oh, did you like Okay, good. There was one episode、um, where it's the 
it's the it's the the man kind of who's driving the coach kidnaps the kids to let them play <laughs> because the kids are working too hard uh and they have been going to some kind of academy or some class till like really late at night um yeah so my question was can is that kind of was that a drama thing or is that kind of that's like tiger mums who are making their kids study really hard or is it quite normal for children that young because they were so young to still be going to, to these kind of classes at night yeah everything you watch is true oh wow like wow sadly yeah wow those kids they don't grow up well like <laughs> i think they're gonna have some kind of problem to be honest like it actually increased their depression. Yeah, mm. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I used to do, my mom never was tiger, tiger mom. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to do myself. Mom, like send me some, this, this, this academy because everyone go. So I'm, yeah. I want to go. And I attended, but yeah. I realized why my mom didn't let me go those academy because it ended up with a depression. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like, even though like there are some like uh, you, you watch the elementary school kids they finish their school at three and mm. when they come home after academy it's like 10 or 11. yeah that's what yeah. i was seeing in the dramas i was like that's that's so crazy like that's anyway, so sad. i know i mean my children finish a normal school day here so it, we finish at 3 30 in the uk um and they are so tired especially mm -hmm. when you know when they first start school you know like the when they're still like five or six just that first year when they're still getting used to it I remember they used to come and they were so tired because they were <laughs> so tired and so hungry and they were always just really really difficult to handle between you know like <laughs> from school and right. just bedtime because they're just so super tired from their day and it's just mm -hmm. like a lot for children and mm -hmm. I know in the in well in the UK definitely that first year in primary school it's not really school it's like play really with a little mm -hmm. bit of alphabet and a little bit of maths <laughs> but really it's just right. playing but eat, and just getting them used to being in a school setting and getting them used to being in a routine but it's definitely not studying definitely not you know and even mm -hmm. that is so tiring for them so like 10 or oh my god 10 or 11 but also just yeah. even from a parent's point of view you know like I love it when my children go to bed finally but it's like <laughs> you're still picking them up from an academy at 10 and then oh. having to put them to bed and then they're like yeah. oh my god like that is so crazy I think um it can be many reasons why they make their kids do like that it can be because mm -hmm. they're working moms or working that like they're double income family so they sometimes yeah. in Korea like some companies make them work overtime until 8, 9 p.m. Oh. So mom and dad think uh, better than hiring, rather than hiring nanny in the house, they might yeah. learn something, you know, go learn uh, and spend mm -hmm, your yeah. time outside the house, like with your friends, not yes. alone in the house. And also yeah. second one is the real tiger mom, mm. which is, I don't want to say, because you guys are mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> We are mums. You can say yeah. we've met. Yeah, we, Grace and I have met tiger mums too. You know, okay. uh, yeah. So we have them in our lives already. So you don't. You don't have to worry about insulting us. Um, I know what I am. I'm not a tiger. I'm. I'm very much yeah. the opposite of a tiger mum. Um, yeah. Which I, I mean, surprised myself. Too. Even though I joke. Even though I joked, I'm not a tiger mum. I okay, thought I would be a tiger mum. It's kind of interesting. It's something maybe to explore another time. But obviously, because I come from an Asian background too, like I always thought. 
I would be more strict when I was a mum than I actually am. Now I am a mum. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm definitely, mm -hmm. definitely not uh, a tiger mum. I mean, it's interesting because obviously I have friends who are of Asian like um, descent as well. And when I watch how they parent and then I compare what I might do with my kids, I'm just like, I feel really like I'm so relaxed compared to them. Like they're not doing <laughs> piano classes, extra Chinese classes, like all of these things mm. that other children are doing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying these tiger moms. Yeah, there are some tiger moms, like, but they became tiger mom because like, for example, sometimes they uh couldn't achieve some kind of their dream so they want uh, to put their dream into children sometimes there are some yeah. some uh, yeah. yeah so those uh the parents kid end up in academy until 12 a.m midnight sometimes uh, oh my god yeah. <laughs> see that's a drama oh. thing too right like um twinkling watermelon which me and grace both wrapped last year we both really love that but um like the mom of the second lead was a cello player and mm -hmm. she didn't achieve what she wanted to achieve as a cello player. Mm -hmm. So then mm -hmm. she put so much pressure on, on her daughter to play the cello. And then we saw that her daughter, we don't know if she wants to play cello really, but she found it as a way to know that if she did really well, then her mom would praise her and love her. And it was a way for her to kind of get her approval. So yeah, that was kind right. of in that drama too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's a tiger mom in Korean. It can be Dechidong mm. Omma. No, actually I don't. It's it's a neighborhood. Dechidong is the area where all the academies are there. Like all oh. the buildings. Like in the, in like the crash building. course in romance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That one was with Jung uh, Kyung Ho and mm. oh shoot, I forgot the female Jung Kyung. But Jung Kyung Ho's the... character instructor? was a top, a top instructor. Ah, top instructor yeah. in, I think it, he was a math instructor. Yes, yes. Ah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then he, he's working in Daechidong. He's working in yes. Daechidong. Yes. Mm. So we call it Daechidong Amma. It means like. Mm. Uh, yeah. So in this drama, they depicted lots of these Daechidong um, Ommas, I think. Mm -hmm. They were very, very like focused on their children's uh, grades and achievements. Uh -huh. And they would all fight like to get into the top academy. So Jung mm. Kyung Ho plays like one of these star teachers, like he's one of the best math teachers um, mm -hmm. in the academy. So um, you would see these mums getting up super early to queue in the registration day for a, a place for their children. Um, and you would mm -hmm. just see how much effort the parents had to make just to get their children into these star, like most famous academies. Um, and mm -hmm. then, uh, yeah, and then also just, but also a lot of pressure on the teachers too. So mm -hmm. I think the drama was quite good at, at reflecting kind of, you have these parents that are tiger mums or tiger parents who want a lot for their children, but then they're also very, very demanding of their teachers as well, which I think we go into like later um, Yeah. Uh, in, in the podcast. So I wanted to ask them as well. So um, the other thing that we see a lot of in dramas is just how pressurized the CSAT is. So the CSAT is just so incredibly important 
for Korean students. Um, it kind of basically makes or breaks their life, right? Their their future <laughs> education and you know their future career all depends on this one exam, uh, and it's um and it's super super pressured uh, and impre- uh, important. So can I just check like what what proportion of students take this exam? Do most students take it? Uh, I searched about uh, last year, 2023, CSAT statistics, and it was 71%, 71% of the soon-to-be graduate of high school students yeah. mm-hmm. are taking the CSAT. Right. So it means like most of them are taking the CSAT. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some students who even they graduated, they graduated high school like last year or last last year or long time ago, but they uh-huh. are taking the CSAT again to change their career or to change their life. Uh-huh. And those people are also taking, like they're accounting, they accounted for 31% of CSAT taker in 2023. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Okay. So you can retake and retake. Okay. And so then right. the, let's, can we chat about the university admission process then? So the CSAT score, uh, and the high school grades, both together, um, they determine where you get in. Is that right? Or are there other factors as well? Um, so, so like some dramas, it seems that different schools can get you into better um, majors or departments, even at the same university. Could you perhaps share what some of that university entrance uh, examination is like? So so basically, is it is it grades and also your CSAT? Um, ah. exam results yeah no, no, no. in the states I know there's an early admission mm-hmm. ah. Korea is in Korea also there is early ah. admission and regular admission ah. but like early admission the high school grades extracurriculum activities uh, or portfolio those matter more than CSAT mm. more but than in- CSAT more than CSAT, but if it's a regular oh. admission, CSAT matters more. Oh, uh, I so, see. That's so for those of you who's are those of us who aren't Americans, <laughs> or uh-huh. Korean, in fact, um, is early admission basically you get effectively you get your college place early in mm-hmm. the year in your in mm-hmm. your final year. So you've kind of yeah. go into final year even before your exams, already knowing that you've got a place. Right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's much so yeah okay oh, yeah because I, I watched see. um oh god my brain's not working what's the u.s drama that i've just finished that i was talking to you about grace like the only western oh, drama oh, that ne- I watched. never have i ever never ever have never i have ever I. Yeah, yeah yeah so devi is trying like she wants to go to princeton right and so she was yeah. trying to get early admission and she didn't get early admission because fabio fabio got early admission so is that what early admission (laughs) is right we can cut this bit I was just trying to understand so so in the U.S. early admission is actually it's like um you you submit all of the same materials you just you just usually what you do is you commit to taking that spot if you're offered it so when you apply early um like so you apply kind of in the fall um and you say if you accept me, I will take this spot. Right. Um, and here's all of my all of my stuff because we take our SATs in junior year. It's not in right. senior year, so we take our uh, SATs in junior year. So we already have our oh, scores. Oh, so you already have your at scores. the beginning uh. of 
of senior year. And so we submit uh. all of our stuff. If, if I really, really, really want to go to Princeton, which I wouldn't have been able to go to, but if I really, really <laughs> want to go to Princeton, I would submit everything early and say, I promise if you accept me, I will take the spot. For, for people who, who are like looking for Ivy League education and, mm. you know, like all the top prestigious uh, schools, um, yeah. you know, they apply to a lot of them. But if there's a top, top one they want, they say, early admission, here you go, all of my stuff, please admit me and I promise I'll go. I won't go to some other. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, right. Yeah. So in Korea, is the CSAT taken in the final year or in the penultimate? November. But in the final year? Final year, yes. Final year. Yeah, final year. Oh, so different from America. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that you guys took that in the junior year. That kind of makes more sense, actually. Yeah, we take <laughs> ours in, ours is final year too. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have two sets of exams, but the main ones are in the in the mm -hmm. final year. And like for the Korean early admission, I think it's a little different. I searched also about like compared to USA, but like Korean, we can apply for up to six university for early admission. So mm. we have to choose very uh, carefully. Yeah which university, which department we're going to apply. And all the personal statement portfolio we're preparing is different, like based on their vibe or based on like mm -hmm. their department. We have to write differently. And also like some of the early admission, they are including the CSAT score. Even though you pass the first, uh, how can I say, the first step, your portfolio statement got accepted, but if you couldn't satisfy the minimum score of the CSET, then you are not going to get into that university. Ah. So, yeah, if like six of the early admission apply, you apply for, if they're all rejected, then yeah. you have to go with the regular admission. Yeah, uh, right. We apply for three university only. Oh, oh, interesting. Only three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Like, how many universities can apply for the early admission? How many? Um, I mean, usually because the early admission thing is like, it's kind, it's not like a binding contract, but it's kind of like, a, you know, I give my word that I will, I will apply, I will attend this college if you accept me people usually only apply early admission to one um, oh. or like, or if the colleges say like, you, you don't have to like promise that you're going to come. Like people do like a, a couple, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when I applied to law school, um, there was an early admission uh, category and there was a like priority admission category. And the early admission was you promised you were going to go to that school if they mm -hmm. applied, I mean, if they accepted you. And then the, the priority one is you're like really heavily leaning toward going to this school, but you don't promise. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it depended each, it's each school is a little different. So mm -hmm. it just depends on which schools that um, you want to go to or apply to. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm learning about the US US system now too. <laughs> <laughs> you joined when you entered university, what was the mix of um, for uh for me when I entered university, I was admitted through the regular admission, which consists mm. of 80% of CSET 
score, 20% yeah. of the high school grades and extracurricular activities and interview. So mostly it's his Ah, I see. I see. Awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that all. Um, it's definitely nice to have um, some more solid information about how schooling works in South Korea, because I have had a really vague idea for a long time. It's now time for our language section. Um, I wanted to ask about the term Konglish. Konglish, which... Um, Korean Americans say Konglish, very American pronunciation, but Koreans say Konglish. Um, and I'm, what I'm wondering is, what I seem to have um, noticed, and also I saw this in an Instagram post and co like conversation in the comments is, um, Koreans think of Konglish as like the Korean, uh, the, the English loner words that are used in Korean, like fighting, mm -hmm. like mentu. Uh, some kinship. Oh, skinship. Yeah, yeah. So, so it seems like Koreans think of Konglish as those words that have been uh, adopted into Korean, and they have separate Korean meanings. Is that right? Because Americans mm -hmm. think of Konglish as mixing English and Korean, uh... and using their. And using their actual meaning in the right context, in the yeah. original language. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I would say, like, oh my goodness, I love, I love this dish because it has such a kosohan mm -hmm. mat. Like, I would just say kosohan mat because in English there is not a very great translation for like kosohe that that taste of that nuttiness, the mm -hmm. nutty taste. We say nutty, but it's not really nutty. Like there's no nuts in it. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's, it usually has sesame seeds or something like that. But there is no like specific word for that taste. So I would say my sentence in English and then I would slot in the Korean words. And that's what we think of as Konglish. Mm -hmm. But it seems like Koreans think of Konglish as... I, this the... is also what I wonder. Like when I think when somebody says uh -huh. it's Konglish... For me, it's some tada, like mixing Korean plus the English. Mm. But uh -huh. like the Western people, uh -huh. they say if I say orange juice, then they say this is also Konglish. Mm -hmm. Oh, I oh, think really? we define yeah differently. Mm. It can be both. Oh. I think it can be both. Oh, okay. Um, because what's interesting to me is um some tango like. Is is a completely Korean concept, mm -hmm. like in 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 like Western countries that speak English, we don't say "some" as a an indication of like flirtation or like a a precursor to an official relationship. Mm -hmm. This is an entirely Korean adoption of the word "some," <laughs> the English mm -hmm. word "some." So, so I think that's interesting. Like, oh. Um, so is this Konglish <laughs> or is that Konglish? And also, um, I think one of the examples, it can be morning call. Mm. Morning uh, call, which is wake uh -huh. up call. Yes. But in Korea, uh -huh. we say morning call, morning call. Oh, oh yeah. okay. So yeah. in, in the concept, it can be also Konglish, maybe. Like, yeah, we are uh -huh. using in our way, our own definition, our own concept. 
but you, it doesn't exist in, in, right. in United States or other country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the word definitely, you can hear that it comes from mm. English, but it has a different meaning, like fighting mm. or fighting. Yeah. So I guess Konglish is a kind of an umbrella term. Like we could use it like the Korean Americans do with the, you know, this is such a yummy dish because mm -hmm. it's kosohe. Or we can use it as English loner words that have been brought into Korean and kind of yeah, transformed. Yes, exactly. And then, and then we also think of it as when certain words are used exactly the same in both languages, but there's a Korean yes. pronunci pr pronunciation like orange. Yes, yes. <laughs> ah, those okay. Three ah, okay. Mm -hmm. ah, okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Thank you. So I think we wanted to talk about some maybe more serious topics now. Uh, first, yeah. first of all, last year, the Korean drama, The Glory, with Song Hye Kyo, created quite a sensation. Um, mm. And I believe it was very popular in South Korea and internationally. Mm. And the drama focused on school bullying as a major plot point. Um, mm. I think it was very compelling for audiences because the school bullying aspect was actually pulled from real life events. Um, so I know your experience as a student and teacher in Korea may be not be generalizable uh, and maybe the situations that make it into the news are not representative of the norm but could you share your sense of how big a problem school bullying is in South Korea generally? Um, school violence and bullying are on the rise everywhere in Korea. In my, in my experience personally I also like almost got bullied when I was in middle school. Oh. Yeah and the reason is like she was kind of like a queen in the room, in the classroom. Yeah. And we were like together uh, in the downtown, like she, including me and like some six friends. And some one of the guy talked to me on the street and she didn't like it. And I was starting to get bullied a little bit, one week and two weeks. Uh, yeah. So it, bullying is very, um, what can I say, common in Korean. Yeah. And, when I was just working for like one or one and a half year in elementary school, I witnessed twice two bullying accidents. One girl was bullied from like the other entire grade students. She got bullied because she didn't, uh, I don't know, I don't know exactly why, but she got bullied. But she seemed a very nice student when I was talking to her personally. She was very mm. nice. But she got bullied by some cacao mm. talk or social media, Facebook with message oh. in a chat room. Oh. Yeah, like, oh. like they didn't hurt her physically, but she got psychological damage. And another case was one of the biggest student in the grade, the sixth grade. He, I think it's because of his father, like domestic indifference, domestic violence. He also got very violent taken from his dad and he was doing that to other students in the classroom mm, threatening right. the other students and so it's like he was bullying the other entire student in the classroom yeah so that was the second one mm. second case i watched wow mm. wow like i said there are some reasons of those school violence it can be the social media or excessive acad academic stress or domestic violence or overprotection because spoil too much and also follow up teaching authority like that. 
Mm. Yes. And because of their, like, usually they're the schoolwork stress and adolescence, they have a lot of stress. I can't, yeah. I could say they have a lot mm. of stress as much as adult, but there were, there were not good, like enough place to relieve the stress yeah. because they're still young in mm. Korea. Yeah. Mm. And because of that, they were yeah. putting their stress to uh, their own peers, their students, that their friends, and in school where they stay the longest throughout the day. And also, mm -hmm. uh, we gotta yeah. teach them how to re relieve the stress properly, and also communicate with them, and also like how to stand by the weak people. Those uh, mm. teaching mm. is a little bit lack. Maybe that's why there's uh, bullying going on. Korea. Mm, yeah. Um, so while we're on the topic of school violence, one issue that you and I have talked about in our lessons that I don't think has been featured in many dramas yet is violence and harassment toward teachers. Um, this seems to be a pretty current issue. And, and you were you uh, kind of hinted at that with the the fall fall of uh, teachers authority. But um, I remember seeing a tragedy in the news um, and teacher protests in in reaction to like a, so the in the news it was reported that a teacher um, had been experiencing harassment from parents and um, died by suicide and and we you know of course nobody knows the entire story and the connection between the two but um, there were teacher protests as a result. Um, and for those of us, us who watched um, that show that we talked about earlier, Crash Course in Romance with Chung Young Ho last year, um, we got an idea of like how parents might harass teachers. Um, but for most Korean drama watchers, I feel like what we see it depicted is like teachers um, administering like physical corporal punishments on students, which happened a lot in the past. Um, so we are not seeing the more current um, situation that you talked about of the fall in, in teacher's authority. Um, so can, can you explain when corporal punishments for students stopped being allowed? And then when did it start turning in the other direction where, where teachers began experiencing violence and harassment from students yes. and their parents? Um... I, I think the corporal punishment in school has been banned since uh, 2011 March by the law. Mm. Since mm. then, the human rights of students have been protected, increasingly protected. And also with that, the teacher teaching authority has begun to fall. And if I think about the reason, the enforcement of the anti-corporate punishment law and the reduction of the birth rate since 2011 being combined, the human rights of children mm. have become more important than teachers. Yes. Mm. Uh, thinking back, when I was in middle school, I couldn't even look into my teacher's eyes because yeah. they could do the corporate punishment and also they were very scary. Mm. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but now I see in like when I was teaching in elementary school, it was like very shock to me because everyone thought like teacher is not that authoritative like a uh, existence or yes, it was very shocking to me. Yes, mm. and 
right now the number of spoiled students in the classroom is increasing and teacher even the teacher scolding to discipline the kids is considered violence right um parents they suspect the teacher's quality saying that teachers raising their voices to kids is verbal violence and some parents complain that if teacher disciplines their own kid then it's a discrimination from the other kids oh wow yeah. Everything what I say is true. Like my friends, they get the call from parents or get the message from, why did you do this? Why did you do that to my kid yesterday? Everything. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. mm, And the that's suicide hard. also, uh, last year happened, is because of the parents. Like mm. they were suspecting, like, are you the real good teacher? Why did you do this? Isn't it unprofessional? They keep uh, questioning, uh, yeah, questioning yeah. her about this. And... Mm. Like, to be honest, I don't think that uh, the teachers in especially elementary school kids, the teacher, they're not, they're no bad student because I was really extroverted student in my own university. So I almost know everyone in my university and everyone mm. I encountered and had a relationship with, they were all pure. They're so pure and nice. And yeah. to be honest, I feel I'm mm -hmm. the bad person all the time. <laughs> yeah like seriously like they were so nice how could be so pure and nice in 20 years old or 21 years old i was so mm. shocked mm. and that's probably because they consider like being a teacher they're calling they're like, like they're very nice mm. like natively mm. nice people and the first time teachers who suicide usually not lost here who just became teachers with those innocents were probably very shocked and hurt by the parents and kids who are not that easy in their yeah. real life. Yeah. If they yeah. had asked their fellow teachers for help in louder voice or fellow teachers had held their hands or parents te and teachers, they understood each more, like each other more, I don't think this might, this would have happened. Yeah. Everything. They should have helped more and they should have communicated more. But yeah, those lack, that's why it happened, yeah. I think. Yeah. That kind of support system is not, is not like officially in place. Mm -hmm. There's no, it, it's hard to speak up. Like I'm feeling this. And um, if there isn't some, someone reaching out. And when I uh, observe the characteristics and personalities of teachers, because they're owning the classroom, they tend to take responsibility 100% by themselves. So usually like they don't know how to mm. ask help or yeah, right. they don't know how mm. to help each other. And maybe that is one of mm. the reasons of this incident. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's going to change more because there were big protests and people are, are taking seriously right now. It's going to change in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I, could, I think we can imagine that these things are happening in schools now and with the violence and the harassments. And they're also a reflection of and a consequence of all the pressures that children and families must be feeling uh, from Korean society at large. Um, so could you explain perhaps how important it is to do well in school to succeed in life in Korea? Um, in fact, uh, the saying, all you have to do is go to good university is quite old. Yeah. Like my mom and dad mm. generation, it uh, played like pretty big. 
But these days, people really don't uh, put a lot of pressure on school grades. But maybe some of the parents who still think uh, school grades are everything or getting to good in university uh, or like, you know, like having a like stable job is everything. Yeah. Then they might force their kids to have a good high high school grades or middle school grades to go to good university. Mm. But like based on my experience, mm. I also have like many students who went to good university, but not good university. But even though she got into not that good university, but she built her own experiences and activities well, and yeah. she kind of have a mm. good like job and good career right now. Mm. Yes. So seeing those kind of um, trend, people like the parents no more force too much to their kids to get mm. the best grades in school. Yeah. So the emphasis on grades is actually falling yes. now. It's going down. Yeah. But okay. it used to be like when like my age. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm twenty. I'm 27, like my age, like 10 years ago, like uh, everyone thought like high school grades are everything, like going to university is everything, even yeah. though it's not that good, like great major, mm. but you still got to enter. But mm. these days, I don't think that is mm -hmm. true. Ah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, so... I joked earlier <laughs> about my inner tiger mom, which I mean, I really am not. Uh, <laughs> I, I try not to pressure my kids, um, but I, I do want to, you know, give them the best opportunities I can offer them so I can empathize with Korean parents in that respect, um, as I'm sure most parents around the world can. Um, but I wonder how much of the, the Korean drive to succeed in school that like we see in dramas and things like that um, it, to enter a prestigious university to secure a stable job. Um, how much that's a reflection of Confucian values and ethics? Um, because I know that Korea is becoming less Confucian in a lot of ways, but there's still that Confucian foundation. Um, and like, as an example, um, even though my family is Christian and did not specifically try to raise me according to Confucian ethics, I kind of feel like I have this inner tiger momness um, because of my upbringing by Korean parents who always seem to comment on, oh, did you hear so-and-so's son went to Harvard or so-and-so's daughter is going to Stanford, mm -hmm. you know, um, <laughs> So basically, where you went to school seems to be an indication of a parent's good parenting, of, of doing their duty as in raising their children well, and as and it was also an indication of the child's intelligence and studiousness, but also that came from um, parents. And so I ended up feeling like um, getting into a prestigious school was a way to like represent my family or like reflect into society that we had, we had succeeded or done well. Um, so like when I, when I went to law school or when I got into law school, um, I actually got into a place that's well known in Korea. Um, so then I remember hearing my, 
maternal grandparents telling everyone like because I went to Korea the summer before law school and everywhere we went my maternal grandparents would be like oh this is my granddaughter she's going to this and this so-and-so law school isn't that a you know <laughs> basically isn't that great <laughs> um <laughs> and so like I, I ended up feeling very much like this was like this is how I'm re representing my family in the world is like achieving this um, thing. And so like uh, we had a, another guest on um, a while ago um, to talk about Usha. Um, and he joked that he, cause I knew him from law school and he joked that he went to, he transferred to a more prestigious school because he was a snob, but I actually understood it as a really natural thing for a child of Asian parents to do, to like represent himself and his family well. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out, is this just me? Um, Sarah, what about you? Did you feel this at all growing up about like, you know, you hear about so-and-so's son or daughter going to whatever prestigious university and like how it felt like it was a representation of of the family yeah definitely but I think I probably when I was younger understood less about it being a representation of the family and and more just like always being compared to other people's children um and not being good enough, <laughs> you know that's what it felt like when I was growing up it was really like you need to study more because yeah. like so and so's son is now you know he's gone to Cambridge University and he's got this really big job um so you have to study really hard as well you know so that you can do well so definitely had that um and I remember like it's a slightly two-edged sword because my so my parents um kind of they have this thing in Chinese culture where you can't you can't brag too much about your own children because the heaven the heavens will ah. hear you and um think that you are not humble enough and uh not oh. grateful enough for your good fortune and mm -hmm. so it's bad luck so not only did I have ah. this culture of like uh constantly being told so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter's doing really well but I my own parents spent the whole time going oh she's not clever like she didn't do <laughs> like she didn't do very good in her exam results she's really not that smart you know and like when you're young I mean now now I'm just like okay I know, I know what you're talking about now but when are you when you're young when you're you know when when you're trying so hard it was really difficult it was really difficult part of growing up for me um just feeling like you were never yeah. good enough and you were never and I think that's also goes hand in hand with like my own parents kind of becoming more relaxed about that kind of thing so I think when um when I was an adult and I was I, I found like my parents were showing off about my stuff more so um uh -huh. like I used to work in investment banking for example so I remember we went to Hong Kong and my mum was like oh she works for like this investment bank and people were like oh my god that's amazing it's so hard to get into that bank and my mum were like yeah you know she was a little you know and it was really funny because she was kind of like more relaxed <laughs> right. about it but there was still that that's still that society thing of like what is your daughter doing what's your son daughter? you know and then this is exchange of like small talk is really about comparing you know how your children that's what it felt like for me growing up. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, um, Yu Jung Sim? Did you feel like there was like a Confucian influence or like element to that in that like emphasis in like, oh, you have to go to a good university? 
uh, you have to, you know, achieve, you know, well in education? Like, did you feel that growing up? Or how does it feel now? Yeah, like, I also feel personally because I had a tiger dad. I had the most lovely mom in the world, but my dad was really like a tigerous. So <laughs> he's the one all the time like pushing me to be like better, better, better. And to be honest, I would I was like um, what can I say that I'm the the thing that he can show off. I I could Yes. literally hear that when when this the when his friends come to the house. <clears throat> my daughter did very well this time on the test and like eventually I went I entered that university uh, I have something to congratulate like he talks about by himself studying nobody asked nobody asked but he started to say and I was so embarrassed every time when he does that mm. Yeah. yes and I think it's still happening Yeah, like whatever it is, like to be honest, it just changed. Like long time ago, like my generation, it used to be only the university title, but now is it can be a business or it can be a YouTube channel, something to uh, show off to their friends. Ah, Like, yeah, like my son, like my daughter is like this, like this. Yeah, but but like I think also this is like happening in all kind of countries. Like the parents want to show off like how like how their kids like become became so well, but they just hold a lot. But maybe Korean, right. <laughs> mm. they are a little bit more emotional, I think, than other 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 country people. So they just let it out everything. They cannot hold it. They just <laughs> each other. <laughs> they couldn't hold. And like especially the Confucianism uh, influence uh, until like now is maybe the government official test because like Confucianism that in that uh, society the best thing was to be like take a test and pass the exam and to be a government high rank official Yes, yes, to be and because successful, of that Confucianism. yeah. Yeah, that idea, still some of the parents say you got to be government official because it's the most stable job and it has a, some kind of good treatment from other people. Yes. So those kind of parents, they want their kids to succeed more in the high school because usually the exam materials are embedded in middle school, high school uh, materials, the study materials, and also... It's related to university, so they want their kids to succeed in school for stable jobs. Mm. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, yeah. So is that is that still true now Uh, in modern Korean society that having a civil servant, like taking your civil servant exam and getting that civil servant uh, career path is is a um, a obviously a, a good indicator of success, but also something that is safe. So it means that you have a job for life. Is that still kind of true nowadays? yeah, like Yeah, some of the some of the people who think, uh, how can I say, who want to fit into more Korean culture, they might choose that job. For example, not only being a government official, like also the age culture matter. Because in Korea, we expect like at certain age, you graduate, you marry, you get a job. Like they expect some things, like the some jobs at certain age. Right, So to yeah. fit into those kind of Mm. frame. 
they yeah. think like it's better to have a stable job. Right. It's easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So some of the people who want to fit into Korean frame, like traditional frame, they might take the government official exam. Mm. But mm. you know the Gen Z starting from yeah. 96, 1996, <laughs> which is including me. I'm also yeah. Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> the Gen Z. <laughs> Gen Z is like a little bit different because when I meet Gen Z generation, like they don't care about the Korean age frame or Korean typical concept of mm. you gotta marry or you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. They just have their own lifestyle and uh, they are they are proud of themselves living like that. So right now, currently, because of the Gen Z generation, the definition of success or definition of life has been more diversified and personalized, individualized, like the USA, yeah. like the other country. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, so that was so interesting. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for answering all our questions, Yudong. And I know that... Um, you were nervous before you started, but um, you you would obviously be speaking English and 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 kind of talking about things and and actually the big thing that I learned at the beginning of this podcast is that Korean people don't really listen to podcasts, so this is kind of quite a new thing. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I didn't yeah. say any kind of point. Did I say something? Like, no, you said did I answer no? Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, helpful. really interesting. So yeah, helpful. definitely. I mean, and I just want to tell everything is a personal opinion. Of everything course, is yeah. a personal opinion. And like, right. based on what I observe, like not 100% can right. be exactly perfect as the Korean information. Right. So it's, personally, yeah. I think like this and I, I see like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for yeah. your time. It was really interesting. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on our show. It was, um, I got so many questions answered <laughs> and it was really interesting. And it's really interesting to hear about like, you know, the new generations uh, who are who are changing Korean society and, you yeah. know, like to see your p positive outlook about yeah, like, how things I'm are. I'm really happy to see those generations because, you know, like I wasn't like that. I didn't yeah. grow up that freely but now mm. they're growing up like that i feel mm. so happy because yeah. if everyone has to follow yeah. one goal yeah then it makes yeah. too much like big competition between each mm. other and everyone right. lives their life right. differently and creatively we don't have to compare each other so i think it's like better for me yeah um so thank you again so much for coming on our show and sharing all this information with us. We really um, learned a lot and had a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 Neiman. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our pod. Follow us on our Instagram at Afternoon Asks or our website www.afternoonasks.com. Our network, Studio Afterglow, brings you more podcasts for your enjoyment. To get more K-drama content from a writer's lens and listen to your K-romance guides, check out Afternoon Delight. For any BTS fans out there, Afternoon Army is here for you with thinky, thirsty and over 30 takes of Army life. 
or check out It's Bananas, the podcast where we build an appetite for juicy living with your host, Becky Onesta. She explores how tasting new and diverse fruits can lead to self-discovery, joy and connection. And if you want to hang with us and other K-Drama fans, do consider joining us on Afternoon Delight Patreon. There are different levels for you to access and it's a lot of fun. Go to www.afternoonadelightpodcast.com to sign up. Finally, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to contact us via our socials or our email, afternoonaasks at gmail.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, 下次见。